hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. such a powerful reminder that no matter what, we are still God's beloved children. Now that's a reminder that that I try to remind myself every day. You know, when things are rough, when things are not going as I would plan them to, God still loves us and God still cares for us. So, would you please take this moment and let us go to God in prayer. O holy and loving God, we give you thanks. We thank you for the love that you have given us. We thank you for the love that you have given each and every one of us. And Lord, as we start this journey, this journey through the season of Lent, Help us to take a look at how we look at you. And I pray that if we have misconceptions, if we feel that you are nowhere near us, help us to see that you are right there with us, reaching out with both arms open, saying, here I am. So Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth And the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said, we are in the season of Lent. You can tell uh, the pyramids up in around the altar are turned to purple. And we'll be in this season throughout the Sunday of Easter where we celebrate resurrection, where we celebrate this new life that, that we receive because God loves and cares for us. I, I, I love the season of Lent. And one of the reasons why I love the season of Lent because it helps me to take the focus of, of what's going on around us, and it helps me to focus here. Where do I need to be changed? Where do I need to be cleaned so that I can be open to what God has for us? And hopefully during this series, we'll see that God is right there for us no matter what we are going through in our lives. We just sometimes don't necessarily see it the way that God has has for us. We see through a bunch of of misconceptions, if you will, of ways that we see God differently because of what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our hearts, but instead of truly seeing who God is. So, So for the next seven weeks, from now until Easter, we're looking at the good and beautiful God. We're going to look today at how God is good, We're going to look how God is trustworthy, how God is generous, how God is love, how God is holy. Palm Sunday, we'll look at how God is self-sacrificing. And then on Easter, 
we will celebrate how God transforms. Transforms me, transforms you, transforms the world around us so that we may be bearers of the good news. So today we're talking about God being good. Now one of the biggest misconceptions is that God is this angry judge looking down on us ready to, to smite us when we do things wrong. That was a way that I've looked at God in the past. I mean, it even uh, went so far with my brother and my cousin, Michael. This is a picture of us when we were little. And we would play this game. It's a really, now that I think about it, it's a really stupid game that we would play, that we would always pick on each other. Dave is three years older. Mike was in between me and Dave, so two, uh, that middle range, a year older than me, and then I was uh, the baby of the family. And we would always roughhouse, we would say things to each other, mean things to each other, and we would play this game that when something, one of us did something wrong, or when one of us wronged one of the other ones, we would look at them and go, Mike, God's getting out his book. He's opening it up, and Mike, we'd sit there He's getting out his pen. He's getting ready to make it. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. See, that was the way that we would try to get one another to apologize for those things that we would do to one another. We would, we would project it on God. And we'd say, you know what? You said something wrong to me, so God is going to make you burn for that if you don't apologize. Maybe you did that in your close relationship too. But see, that, that is a narrative that, that is built into our lives, isn't it? You know, if we look at even ancient religions, they were built on a narrative that says that all, all, all sorry, a narrative that says we have to do something in order to get the blessings of the gods. And conversely, if we anger the gods, we will surely be punished. Another way that we can say that is God is good, you're bad, try harder. And that's such a dangerous narrative for, for us to live with, that, that every single action, every single thing that we do, God is just right there ready to punish us. But what we know is that God loves us and God cares for us. A study at Baylor University says that approximately 30% of Christians believe that God is both judgmental and highly engaged in the affair of humans. Like a divine judge, God is watching us closely, eager to punish us for every minor infraction. God is good. You are bad try harder. So my question this morning for you is, what is your view of God? Do you have this divine judge view of who God is, that, that God is just looking at you through a, 
a little uh, magnifying glass ready for you just to mess up so he can just wipe you off the face of the earth? Or do you have a different view of who God is? Do you look at God as somebody who loves and cares for you, somebody who cherishes you, that wants the best for you? We're going to turn and look at the words of Jesus because Jesus had his own narrative of, of who God is. And if I invite you to look now, our scripture is from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And Jesus tackles this narrative when he it comes across a blind man. And we hear these words from scripture. Jesus walked along. He saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind? Did the man sin or did his parents? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming where no one can do work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, he made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. And Jesus said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went away and washed. And when he returned, he could see. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the disciples asked the question. Okay, we have a blind man here. Sur surely something happened to cause him to be blind. And that something had to be sin. Was it the sin of his parents? Or did he somehow sin before he was born to make him blind? See, the disciples are, are coming to Jesus with, with two different but same narratives that the teachers of the day, the rabbis of the days, were sharing with the people. Is that the sin that, that somebody deals with or an infirmity has to do with something either the parents did or, or something that the child did before he was born. We have that narrative that still plays out in our world today. I have a, a friend whose daughter was born extremely crippled, was told that she was not going to even survive birth. And when people around them heard these stories or heard how sick the daughter was, the question started to arrive. So what unforgiven sin or what unconfessed sin did you commit to do this to your child? Or, or what do you think your child did in the womb to make this happen? But this is a narrative that is played over and over in Scripture. If we go back to the Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, the rabbis really held on to this view. And in the Ten Commandments, it says, do not bow down to other gods or worship them because I, the Lord, your God, am passionate. I punish children for their parents' sins, even 
to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So this narrative was, was, was prevalent in the time of Jesus. Other rabbis, they taught, well, it wasn't necessarily that, is that there was some sin that the child committed while in the womb. And it was that sin, that is the sin that caused this infirmity to happen. Even if we look outside of the Christian tradition, there were people that said, well, maybe in a previous life, in the world of reincarnation, they did something so bad that when they came back, they were punished for what they did. But Jesus at this time, he doesn't affirm definitely the, the otherworldly version, and he doesn't affirm the version that comes in, in Exodus or the one where a rabbi said, because the child sent in a child before he was born, but Jesus took an opportunity to show that those narratives are not true. Now, what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is not saying is that the person was not of sin because we all sin, we all fall short of God's glory, but he affirms that it's not the sin that causes these issues. Jesus said neither he nor his parents, this happened so that God's mighty work might be displayed in him. It wasn't a form of retribution. It wasn't against the man or his parents, but it was an opportunity for God to do something and show God's healing power in the man's life. So why do we think this angry judge narrative is so popular? I think we think this is so popular because it takes the control away from God and it places that control in our hands. When, when we say that I believe it's because God is doing this or because this person is doing something, we are saying it's no longer in God's hands, but I'm the one who is going to say how this plays out. I'm going to be the one who blames. I'm going to be the one who, who claims this is how God works. And you fail to listen to see how God is truly active in the world around us. Back in 2004, there was a movie called Bruce Almighty. And you may remember this movie and the scene where, where Bruce is so upset because nothing is going his way, but everything that Bruce is doing is trying to manipulate, trying to, to make things happen so, so he has massive favor. And one of the things that Bruce says in the movie, he talks about God with this magnifying glass, and he's like an ant, and he's holding the sun down just to try to make him squirm. See, when we have this punishing narrative, that's what we want to see. We want to have the control of that magnifying glass to make others squirm because that is where the control is. That's the game that my brother and Michael and I played growing up. We said those things, so we had the power over them. 
that we had the power to say, you must behave or else God is going to strike you down. But the fact of the matter is, we should expect to go through heartache and pain. We should expect to have suffering and loss because that is what it means to be human. That is what it means to live in this life. But thanks be to God because we have a Savior who has gone through all of that himself. We have a Savior who stood at the grave of a friend. And before he raised Lazarus to life, he wept. He felt that ache and that loss. As Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem, he looked over a city and he wept because of the heartache and the pain that he felt for the people in Jerusalem. And before Jesus was arrested, he knelt and he prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he felt that pain. And even on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, God is good because God is there in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of, of when things aren't quite as we would like them to be. God is there saying, I know your pain. I know your disappointment. I know your sorrow. And I am with you always. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Go ahead and keep that up just for a second. That line, and the life I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. God. See, that, that's a promise that we can hold, but there are Bible scholars who look at this and say that that is not a, a true translation of, of what Scripture says here. It, it looks more like this. I believe it's on the next slide, I hope. Yes, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's how we like to look. Because I have faith in Jesus Christ, I am able to live the life that God has for us. What if we were to look at it this way? And this is what some scholars say is a more accurate translation of this verse. I live by faith of the Son of God. And what that means is that we're not looking at, at our activity or, or our power to do this, but it is because Christ crucified lives inside each and every one of us. We live by 
his faith in us. We live by his faith that he is able to guide us and lead us and make us whole. That, that God is never distant from us, but God is in us. That we have been crucified with Christ, therefore we also live because of his love for us. I am just so thankful that it is God's love in me and God's love for me that strengthens and, and upholds me every day of my life. One of the ways that I want us to remember this is by practicing spiritual disciplines during this season of Lent. If you take a moment, uh, there should be another sheet of paper in your bulletin. And I will uh, post these activities on our Facebook page after each uh, Sunday. So if you lose this piece of paper, you can go back to Facebook and maybe copy it down. But one of the ways that we are able to cut out the noise in our lives and allow God to speak into us is by taking moments to be silent. Yes, taking moments to be silent. And for some of us, and even for me, it's hard to be silent. I, I want to have noise in my life because when noise is in my life, I don't have to think about things. I, I can let the noise just permeate around me and, and let that be my inner dialogue for whenever it is. It's either playing music or listening to a podcast in the car, whether it's turning on the TV or, or Hulu or Netflix while I'm at home and have all of this stuff buzzing around me. I invite you to find a moment during this week to be silent. And, and think about trying to be silent for five minutes. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about silence and, and we spent one minute here on the sanctuary. And I know for some of you, that minute seemed like it went for an eternity. But when you practice this silence this week, if you need to take Scripture with you and, and start off by looking at Scripture, go ahead. But then take a moment and stop and say, God, how can I be fully in your presence? How can I let you speak in and through my life. And if you're like me, there's going to be moments where something will come up. You'll, you'll think about the laundry that you haven't changed over yet, or maybe the phone call that you need to make, or the email that you need to send. Take a little notepad, have it beside you, and write it down, and give, give yourself permission to write that down and say, that's for me to take care of later. Now, God, I will be with you. And just continue to practice and try over and over again. I can tell you personally that when I fail to be quiet, when I fail to be still, my life is a shambles. My life feels like I'm missing something because I am not taking the time to be with the God who loves and cares for me. It's not that I feel like God is distant and, and I have to do that to be with her. God is there with me. But sometimes we have to acknowledge 
that God is with us, even in the midst of our busyness, even in the midst of our trials. So when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed, take time just to be silent and allow God to speak in and through you. Let us pray. Oh God, you are good. And God, we give you thanks for the love that you have given each and every one of us. Forgive us when we try to play the game that you are just looking out to punish us. Forgive us when we play the game that God is trying to punish others because they are different than us. Forgive us and lead us to know that you are here with us and that you have faith in us to act as your beloved children. So Lord, we lift this season of Lent to you in the strong name of the one who loves us, who died for us, so that we may have life and life abundantly. Jesus, our Lord. Amen.